from west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the Diz Unplugged, Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I could be a lot worse. How are you, Michael? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. So, yeah, had a had a busy weekend that we're going to talk about. Yeah, you did. Going? Yeah. Yeah. But but there was sad news. You know, during the course of the weekend, we found out that the voice of Minnie Mouse, Rusty Taylor, you know, passed away of colon cancer on July 26th. Yeah. Um 2019 at the age of 75. So so that was sad. So, yeah. you know, for more than 30 years, she voiced um, not only Minnie Mouse, but she provided many other cartoon voices, including the Simpsons characters, Martin, Uter, and the twins, Sherry and Terry, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and she was in Disney DuckTales. She was the voice of Donald Duck's nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yes, in the first round, not the new DuckTales that yeah. you watch. Right, I, I don't watch. Oh, you don't? Oh, you should. They're <laughs> actually watch. awesome. But oh, okay. So, and of course, she voiced Minnie on, in television shows like the Mickey Mouse Works, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. In films, she voiced Minnie in Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Runaway Brain. And she also provided the voice of Strawberry Shortcake in the six oh, original television yeah. specials yeah ba- oh you'll like this baby gonzo in the Muppet yes Babies? yes that's one of the ones that you know it's with a lot of voice actors it takes a while it takes until you're a little bit older until you start connecting their voices around and you know gonzo is like a mixture it, in my mind i mean yeah it's all rusty taylor but it is kind of a, a mixture of a little bit Mickey Mouse and a little bit Martin Prince from The Simpsons. And it's like kind of <laughs> together. And then just like a little bit of a, a gruff put in there. And like, that's, that is Baby Gonzo from Muppet Babies. So. Yeah. And she was um, Pebbles Flintstone in the Flintstone Comedy Hour. Mm. So, amongst many, many, many oh, yeah. other roles. Yeah. And of course she uh she uh was married to the voice of Mickey Mouse her um late husband Wayne Allwine and uh, they they met as they were voicing the characters and mm-hmm. um fell in love, got married and um so it was definitely a, a fairy tale kind of story. Oh yeah. For them. So oh, you can't make that stuff up. Mickey Mouse and Minnie yeah. Mouse getting together so yeah. the first time i heard that story i almost didn't believe it uh mm-hmm. it's it just it it seems too good be to be true and uh but but it was and it's it's really sad it is it is and she rarely made um you know guest appearances public appearances i i have a piece of artwork where i have 
all of the characters that are depicted on it, I have the autographs of their voices except hers. Mm. And I, I'd been holding out on getting it framed, you know, because I didn't yeah, have Lucy just, Taylor's yeah. autograph. But I never saw her at any events. So yeah. I guess I guess I can get it framed now. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> I... Uh, obviously, it's a big uh, it's a big hole in the Disney family because of the Minnie Mouse side of it. But for me, uh, I, I I did know that she was the voice of Minnie Mouse. I wasn't a surprise of anything. But uh, as much as I just kind of went on my little Gonzo rant there, really for me, it's it's Martin and the Simpsons. Um, I mm-hmm. I am a mega 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 Simpsons fan, and I. Even though the show has gone so down in quality over the years, uh, it is still so important to me. And and with a show like The Simpsons, what they've been doing is when when a voice actor dies and passes away, they just write off the characters. It's it's not being mm-hmm. replaced, and so it it starts it starts getting to the point where you know, Rusi wasn't that old at seventy five, and. Um, it's we've already lost a couple voices along the way. It's it, the show has these long legs that I think Disney is willing to to keep stretching and take it as far as it is. But if you start losing some of these voice actors, then I don't think it's going to be replaced. I think that's going to end up being the the ultimate downfall of The Simpsons, and that makes well, me sad. Have to bring, yeah, they have to bring in new characters then. Yeah, oh, that that is one thing they could do, but mm-hmm. it's. It's it's I I don't like thinking about it. It's not that often that it's that stuff like that really starts coming up. But I mean, The Simpsons has been on the air now thirty plus years, and it's it's getting to the point where it is going to be a concern for some of the mm-hmm. some of the actors who are are working on this show. But uh, it it a big big loss for that show as well as Minnie Mouse and everything else she's worked on. It's it's sad. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But but let's hope that she is reunited with her Mickey and they are um they are happy together once again. So. Oh, yeah, um just I wanted to let folks know that the Carolwood Society's 2019 meeting is again being held at the Walt Disney World Resort. This is Friday, September 27th. It's going to be at the AMC Disney Springs 24 Theater. And this year, Disney legend uh, is and Walt Disney Imagineering ambassador and recent Carolwood Foundation Heart and Heritage honoree Tony Baxter will be um, their guest of honor and he's going to be highlighting his work that he did on all the big thunder mountain railroads at disneyland walt disney world and disneyland paris so this begins at 10 a.m on friday september 27th and so we will have a link in our show notes if you'd like to purchase your tickets they are very reasonably priced because they want to make this accessible um you know to everybody and that's a perfect time to be in town so uh Friday, September 27th, you're only a couple days off from the final showing of Illuminations, Reflections of Earth, and then the the next fireworks show at Epcot, Epcot Forever. So, could be a fun little uh, extended getaway right at oh, the end of is, September there. That is, that is perfect. You'll be so gone. Great. <laughs> I know, I'll be yeah. gone. <laughs> in, in a much better place. Yeah, I'll be in London, Paris. 
before people think you know <laughs> something else is a much better place oh, yeah <laughs> you've, you've said on the show you're going before so if people aren't yeah. taking uh, adamant notes throughout then what are they doing yeah really really well I recently attended the 11th annual Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet in Linwood, Washington. This was uh, this year it was from July 26th through the 28th. And this is an annual event where Disney fans come from all over the country to be a part of a premier fan event celebrating all things Disney. And if you have attended D23 events, this is most closely uh, maybe akin to the Destination D event. Uh, But it's limited to around 500 guests. It offers guest speakers from the Walt Disney Company or well-known in the Disney community. And all the talks are in the same room just like Destination D. Uh, also, there's a variety of Disney Anna vendors. There's authors, travel professionals, podcasters, fan displays, interactive games, funny original videos that uh, in, that introduce each speaker segment. Um, there's elaborate and detailed photo ops. Uh, uh, there's a hotel room door decorating contest, uh, which extends into the rooms themselves. Um, there's cosplayers and Disney bounding. There's also a charity raffle, and it's all in a positive, fun environment. And so it's where Disney fans can meet, enjoy, and share their passion for Disney. Now, even though this is not an official Disney event, it is sanctioned by Disney, and D23 is a sponsor, who and they donated a major prize for the free raffle, which started out as a private tour for six of the Walt Disney Studio that included lunch and, of course, Walt's office. But then at the end, they also threw in 23 pairs of free movie tickets, and they were giving out... Um, pairs of free movie tickets throughout the oh. day so um so yeah i mean so you could almost have like a private screening you know, yeah 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 really it was for for the person that won that it was not me <laughs> so mm. anyway nah. but you take the good with the bad yeah yeah so i'm so i'm going to start describing some of what i experienced over the weekend because this was a lot of fun and very impressive i think of all the disney fan events i have been to this was by far the top i i i was so impressed you know wow. with everything i saw this was amazing i mean you know in the i should say the unofficial disney fan events you know, this was amazing. Still, I've been to I said I've been to a lot of them. So I mean, you've now, been on a, a you've been on a Diz cruise where you've seen uh, Jody Benson sing and such. I know. So that's, well, that's that's true. So well, I don't know. I, I didn't think of cruises as in this. I was thinking of more, you know, one or two day events. Uh, okay, I'll, hey, a cruise cruise is in a separate category because that's like a week. <laughs> you know what? Uh, even even so, I understand. Like I, I do not want to come off sounding elitist or snobby or anything, but uh, I think there is definitely a difference for some people between hearing important people in Disney history actually talk about stuff that they created and such, and, or if they're just very knowledgeable about the history, listening to that side versus hearing some songs. Um, 
I'm a musical person, but I'm also a history nerd, so I think I would probably steer a little bit more towards the historical aspects of it. So mm-hmm. this this event would probably suit me a little yeah. bit more. It, so. it was very well organized. When you think it was all put on by non-professionals, um, you know, like we have a, an event called MouseCon up here and in Northern California, um, they're, they're, they're not in the same league. So I was thinking of that kind of stuff, you know? So, because uh, I've talked about MouseCon on, I don't think on this show, but on the Disneyland show, perhaps. So, and there, I, I don't think there's a comparison between the two, but they're very similar. So, anyway, although I didn't go to last year's MouseCon, so, I, so I, I'm not sure. I, I mm-hmm. went to the first two. Yeah. So, um, so, anyway, so I want to describe some of what I've experienced over the weekend. Now, on the Friday before the event, there were two mixers. One was hosted by D23 for Gold members, and the other was by the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet. So, D23 and Gold members and her guests assembled, uh, so you'll understand why I'm saying that word, or if you were following me on social media, you'll understand, because I posted a few photos. Um, and, th- and this was at the Embassy Suites, which is the event's um, official hotel in Linwood, Washington, for a, as they called it, a marvelous member mixer. And this was hosted by Michael Vargo and his D23 team. And the room was decorated with Avenger-themed centerpieces uh, uh, direct from Party City. Um, this, this, is, this is typical kids' you know, birthday party decorations and balloons and party <laughs> favors yeah. and, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they didn't cart this all the way from Burbank. Or if they did, I'm really surprised. <laughs> um, they Their food was offered. Now, in the past, this was a free event. Uh, they charged $10 um, this time for it. Uh, there, there, there were sliders um, in... You know, you could choose beef, Angus beef, I think it was, um, chicken and vegetarian. There were all kinds of fillings and toppings. Um, there was a mac and cheese bar. I didn't get any mac and cheese, uh, but I did have the sliders. Very good. And um, Captain Marvel made a surprise appearance for a special photo oh, opportunity. Fun. Yeah, ca- yeah, and she was very good. So um, Yeah. And then she had to go off on her mission. But, um, like get back so, off Earth. Lots to do. Yeah, that's right. So there was a raffle for a variety of Marvel-themed prizes, which was nice. And the the, the mixer and, and everybody always said, you know, they always gave away um, gifts. Well, I guess once you start paying, the gifts go down in quality because people were not as excited about the gifts this year. It, it ended with uh, each gift receiving a Captain America poster and key fob, and I think they might have been leftover giveaways from when the film opened. So... Um, that would make sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. And then there was a uh, Disneyana vendor who was there who was giving $5 credit for everybody's poster. So, so if you were a couple, you had a ten dollar credit, and there were actually some ten dollar items. So I, so I ended up giving because I don't need another poster, uh, at least not a small one of a Captain Marvel movie yeah. poster. And I got a five dollar credit, so I bought for five dollars. I bought uh, an Adventurers Club T shirt. So 
so yeah, that's, so thought, not, okay, that's not too bad. That, I thought that was good. Yeah, I guess oh. it was probably on clearance from, uh, you know, from you know, the you know, some sort of Disney outlet store or something. Yeah, yeah. it was fine. I, I'm very happy with that. Now, um, the the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meets Friday mixer started shortly after the D23 mixer ended, and this was themed to Aladdin's Arabian Night. And there was a great photo op display there that looked like it was from the palace. And they had the little masks you could put on, you know, to look like the sultan or the genie or something like that. The, uh, Raja and the magic carpet were there. Um, they had some games, like you had to um, throw a beanbag through the... Um, the, the 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 big tiger's open mouth the temple and and knock the lamp down in order to and you got some uh you you could choose prizes and i i chose like tangled jelly bellies no. uh there, there there was a there there was another scene where there was a um guess the number of jelly bellies and it's really pretty it looked very arabian sort of glass container and it was in a glass it was in an in an aladdin themed setting and then if you if you were closest without going over you got that big jar of jelly bellies and i didn't win that either i won nothing this whole weekend that would be the running i have won one of those uh count the amount inside a container things before i think it was probably 20 years ago when mm-hmm. i was a much younger and more positive person back then <laughs> so uh, uh, there was a trivia contest hosted by the author of the seen unseen disneyland books russell flores who had, was a guest of mine on the disneyland show and there was a raffle with a lot of fun um, prizes some of them are really good actually too and and it was just both of these events are a fun way to start meeting up with friends, you know, old and new, and and, and just to kick off the weekend. So uh, and then that night was when they did the uh, contest. So you could walk around and see the the doors, the door decorating contest, which was not limited to the doors. It was people decorated. You know, this is an embassy suite, so they had that whole front room. People decorated the whole suites. Apparently, there there was, and it was themed to Toy Story 4 and Aladdin and uh, you name it. And and it was themed to it. And The Incredibles. I I mean, there there were all kinds. And then there were prizes given out um, the next day. And there had once been a frosted there had once been a floor-to-ceiling window right next to all the doors to the rooms so that people could set up window displays in there like a department store. And they would set up very elaborate window displays. Well, the problem is, I guess a year or so ago, the the hotel frosted all the windows because some guests were changing without drawing the curtains. And um, so they frosted the window. So people had to suddenly think, oh, no, what are we going to do? So what they did was for the actual contest itself, they opened their doors so people could come in. And I mean, I don't know how long it took them to set some of these things up. Oh, and they, they bake things to give away to everybody that came through. And, and I mean, it was amazing. They'd, so very impressive. So and the, and the doors are metal, so you know, so it's like when we go on the Diz cruises and they have you know people decorate their doors, 
and all that. Yeah, so it's the not, same kind of idea, but adds but to the fun. Take it up a notch. <laughs> this. Much so, impressive. <clears throat> so the event officially began on Saturday at the Linwood Convention Center, and that's just a short driving distance from the embassy suites. It's a small convention center. So after checking in and receiving my credentials, and you get you can choose your button. So I chose my first time button. Um, you got a little shopping bag with some stuff in it, uh, including a discount to the Disney store that was in an outlet mall. I ended up not going there. And um, uh, yeah, I, explore, I explored the corridors, take a look at the photo ops. Uh, there was an amazing Haunted Mansion backdrop that looked like it had been created by the Imagineers. It had those busts that you know follow you as you as a, at Disneyland as you walk down the corridor. Um, it had that's awesome. Very I've... similar wallpaper. It had the hitchhiking ghosts. It had the the raven with the glowing red eyes and flapping its wings and cawing. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. So I, I then, love that effect. Anytime I've seen it used anywhere else besides Disney, it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and they had a. There was a couple, and he dressed up. Oh, they also had the stretching portraits, and then there was a man who dressed up as a, um, as the fellow who's on the who's sitting. You know, he's on the the TNT. You know, in his shorts and and you know garters and all yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the and then the woman who's on the parasail on the tightrope above the crocodile. She had her little crocodile purse on her. <laughs> I don't even know where she would have yeah. found that, or she made it one or the other. Probably. Anyway, made it, they yeah. they look like they just stepped, you know, out of those portraits. That's awesome. It was a, and and there were other costumes equally amazing: Snow White and. Um, you know, just all kinds. And then, oh, and, and some Haunted Mansion couples. Um, oh, Chewbacca was there. A lot of Star Wars characters sort of walking around. And, in yeah, they could be at Galaxy's Edge. And Chewbacca oh, even, yeah. even roared. <laughs> I, I mean, it's I, I don't know if it was people from the 501st, but yeah, uh, we've, we've had them at Diz events before, mm-hmm. and... Uh, met some awesome people who have not only volunteered at the events, but I, you know, met them outside. Uh, and you know, these they literally take this more seriously than I think lots of people at at Lucasfilm and Disney mm-hmm. do. And I know that's a very bold statement saying it, but I mean, they they put their money and their lives into this stuff. So it's yeah. if it was them, awesome. If not, then. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's great that there's other people out there killing it. Yeah. Well, I know they have very high standards, too, as to what your costume has to look like and be made oh, out yeah. of. Yeah, no, it has be to part be of the pretty perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There was a huge, beautifully painted backdrop of Disneyland's Court of Angels with, you know, wrought iron tables and chairs and and all that. That was really nice, you know, you which is, of course, a favorite out-of-the-way place that's now unavailable to most guests because it's the entrance to Club 33. Uh, Oh, there was also the Ice Cave of Hoth where Luke Skywalker was attacked by a wampa. 
that was there for you. Nice, nice. To um, pose in. I mean, it was amazing. So there was also, um, when you, as you were waiting for the doors to open to the main hall, there was an interactive icebreaker bingo game hosted by one of the vendors. And that just got the guests talking as they waited for conference room doors to open. And I guess they drew a, a raffle prize for that. I have no idea when they did it or who won. I thought it'd be announced with all the other prizes, but it wasn't. So anyway, so when the doors open at 10 a.m., you could either check you you could check out the vendors and some of the vendors that were there. There was the um, well, there was a, a Disney and a collectible um, place. They had like the whole back wall. Um, they had oh, they had and they had everything from movie posters to whatever popcorn buckets and tiki mugs had been recently sold you know at the parks with of course uh, a markup in price oh but my favorite item which i didn't buy and nobody did there was a club 33 tiki room shirt um yeah how much how much would you be willing to pay for that greg um okay if it's is it the one that they had this year I don't know. I didn't know they had one. Is it the one that's like green and orange and such? It was definitely green. There might have been some orange in it. Oh, if it was that one, I actually do own that one. And oh. I know how much I paid for it. But uh-huh. uh, I'm interested to hear what you, uh, what I anyone, what would like, you have had to pay for it? It was like $225. So uh, slightly over a fifty percent markup. Yeah, that's what I figured. So it yeah, would be. and it was size two X, so it was also yeah. limited in who could wear it. Yes, at least and somebody told me it was a two X. Yeah, well, I wear. I typically wear a. Uh, I, I typically wear a, a large in like tiki shirts and stuff, and even this one, like I, I could have been pressing on a medium. And it a large I'm very comfortable in, but medium I would have been like, okay, I feel I feel pretty okay. So two mm-hmm. X would have been like wearing a it, it, you would have looked like a, an old lady wearing a, a big dress to bed or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there were um, there were uh, you know the Hallmark was there. Uh, well, there was a Hallmark um, shopkeeper was there, and they had um, you know the Disney ornaments and stuff. Uh, there were a couple of vendors that made um custom mickey um mouse ears and other things other disney things like you know pet beds and stuff then pet collars there were a number of vendors who made um you know disney themed shirts and jewelry um paintings um bags scarves you name it there were there were a, a couple of authors there um of course russell flores with his seen and seen disneyland books and then um a, a podcaster i think who also wrote um she writes books called positively disney kimberly bouchard i think is her name and uh, and then there there was a, a fellow um who was doing a live Disney theme painting demonstration? He was also selling his Disney art there as well, and um, also th- a- another booth that the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet was sponsoring is they had an ink and paint booth where you could paint your own animation cell. 
Oh, that's it. that's different. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. I think that was new for them this year. There was also pin trading. You could buy some food snacks there, but there were also other restaurants just in that little area. And there was also a charity raffle, and and it benefited the Ryman Arts Foundation and the Seattle Children's Hospital. And so you could see all of the items that were up for grabs there that you could donate. First of all, if you donated, if you bought a certain number of tickets, you would automatically get a prize of your choice or a gift of your choice. I, For my level, I got um, a wet Imagineering pin that I didn't have. But there were options that you could have at most levels. So um, I just liked that one out of the, what I had to choose from. Uh, also, uh, but they had elaborately themed gift baskets. Uh, you know, remember that book Bob Gurr talked about, that automotive book that he wrote like in 1953? Yeah, yeah. Somebody found one. And it might have been the collect. I don't know who found it. And then he, and then they took it to him and he autographed it. And that was part. Bob Gurr had several. There were several Bob Gurr themed baskets there. One around that, the automotive one. So it was an Utopia themed one. There was a Haunted Mansion themed one, and then there was a Monorail themed one. The ones where I put most of my tickets into were well, there was a. Um, it was like ten drawings and they looked like they were original from Imagineering because they had the Imagineering stamps 1963 wet Imagineering it was a hand sketch of each doll in its costume with the call outs about either colors of the fabric or the type of fabric or something like that I don't know what I would have done with these 10 frame pictures, <laughs> but I wanted them desperately. And then it came with the the um, It's a Small World ornament that I know I saw at the, you know, at the Christmas store at Disney Springs the last time I was there. And um, so, some really cute Small World mouse ears. But I wanted those so desperately. I didn't bring them home and then there was another one where it was a beautifully framed um e-ticket book and with the e-ticket separate Mm. really nice and then and then there was a a picture of walt with mickey or, or a painting and they're looking at like a film loop kind of thing you know he walt's like holding up the film and um and all that i thought well yeah that's cute but I, the e-ticket thing was neat. And then I threw five tickets in for um, somebody, an artist had created a smaller version of Jingles from the Disneyland Carousel, which was the Uh-oh. horse, of course, awesome. dedicated to Julie Andrews for the 50th anniversary of the park. And I thought, watch, I'm going to win that thing. And how am I getting that on the plane? <laughs> and that, that yeah. was like the one thing where I hoped, oh, please don't let me win. But I have a place for it if I if it... um. If I had. Anyway, so there were some really, really good prizes in there. Oh, and a local theater company was also um, there as well, Fifth Avenue Theater. um, And they also donated a very nice um, gift bag, gift basket for um, there as well. So, all right. Also, off to the opposite of that, the three guest speakers were there to sign your books or collectibles, and we're going to talk about them. The um, speakers included Ron Clements, Jeff Curdy, and Joe Rohde. You were limited 
to having um, Ron and Joe each sign one item and Jeff signing two items. And the speakers were available throughout the day for signing. Um, and they were very friendly. They were happy to talk to guests. Um, I mean, this was a great way to meet. The- oh, they didn't charge you know, for their autographs. It was just a really nice way to meet them in a really intimate environment, you know? So, um, because, you know, D23, you might be able to meet them, but, you know, you're there with, you know, I don't know. So much, thousands. and Tens of thousands of your closest friends. Yeah. You know, or, you know, I'm spoiled because I've met some of them at the Walt Disney Family Museum in a smaller setting, but they, they, they have much more, they have limited time that they can be there for the autographs, you know, after their talk. So, so at 11 a.m. it was author, historian, Jeff Curdy. 2 p.m. was animation director, screenwriter, producer, Ron Clements. 4.30 p.m. it was executive designer and vice president creative for Walt Disney Imagineering, Joe Rohde. Joe also had a special separately ticketed event the next day. And um, so I'll talk about that also. So I'm going to talk about each speaker segment and share um, from my notes some of the highlights of what they said. I am really, really hoping I can um, read my notes. So um, first of all, it starts out with a video um, called Happy Little Voices. And I don't know if if you've ever heard, Craig, of Bill Rogers and Camille Dixon. They are a married couple. Bill Rogers is the official voice of Disneyland. Camille Dixon is the official voice of Disney California Adventure. And they're married. Isn't it? It's, yeah. So I, another professional married couple in Disney. That's always awesome. <laughs> and they did this where they woke up in the morning and it's as if and they spoke as if it was their normal day, but they spoke as if their announcing voices are the way they speak every day. So it's like he wakes up and he says, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <laughs> it's time to start your day. And it, he started every sentence like that throughout the whole day for the most mundane things. Good. And she did the same thing. It's like, it's like um, she was making lunch. And then she starts out saying, she, so she's making lunch and it was, um, well, you know, she, well, first they have breakfast and all that. And she's like, are you ready to go to work? And he, yeah, well, ready for the commute? And they just walk out their front door, go down a little garden path, and they each have separate recording studios right next to each other. And they walk into them. Oh, and then they open their little doors and they say have a good day at work and they give each other a little kiss and close the door oh it was hilarious and but then it's time for lunch and again she makes her announcement about making lunch so something goes wrong and she says um um ladies and gentlemen boys and girls due to unexpected uh, circumstances or something or due to unexpected delays lunch will not be held as planned she said but dessert will go on as scheduled and then she takes out her pie this is all so professional that when she takes the pie out of the oven you're looking at it as if you're inside the oven and then um, she puts it on the window shelf to cool. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a Snow White moment. This little head pops up. It's Brent Iwan, the voice of Mickey Mouse. And he starts talking in his Mickey Mouse oh, voice wow. 
for this. And then they both come over and they're talking in their announcer voice. And they say, Brett, we don't talk like that here. <laughs> anyway, they stood, so they continue on throughout the this video and then and then this is how they introduce don morin who is who is the host and who puts on the pacific northwest mouse meet and um anyway and and then and then he rolls with it and everybody said this uh, i guess this is something they have always done um are these little videos and that this apparently was by far the best one so far and anyway it was a hoot and uh anyway and so he so he talked about you know it being year 11 and the charity raffle how half goes to Ryman arts half goes to the seattle children's hospital and last year they had raised twelve thousand dollars and so they hoped that this year they would raise even more um they and they talked about then the grand prize. You did not have to buy a raffle ticket for this that the D twenty three was giving away. And I mentioned it was the private tour for six of the Walt Disney Studios, and then all those free movie tickets too. So Jeff Curdy was the first presenter, and he only had shown this presentation once before to Chapman College students because he thought no one else would ever get this. But he thought. This, so he sent the presentation to, to Don, and he said, this is perfect. He said, this group will get it. So, um, so he starts out by you know, saying, you know, we all know Walt Disney. He's the benevolent papa of Mickey Mouse and the creator of scores of films and characters we love, like Bucky Beaver, Fresh Up Freddy, The Kick Serial Kids, and Tommy Mohawk. And then he says, if you don't know these characters, these are all Disney characters that they were created by the Walt Disney Studios commercial unit in the 1950s. And we've talked a little about this um, in passing on, on, on previous episodes. But but because animation uh, and, and Walt did this, Walt and Roy did this because animation was so expensive. The studio needed money. They were still coming out of the war. And uh, and so this was a way to bring in funds. Um, the advertisers found animation was highly effective. It spoke to people. And, and TV stars of the 50s commonly pitched their sponsors' products. So they, and he showed a commercial of Ricky and Lucy, I love Lucy pitching the um, the Philip Morris cigarettes that was a sponsor of their show that ran as if it were like a part of the television show. Yeah. Of course, we don't see those in the reruns, but uh, but um, but even in the like the title credits. I remember this from the Dick Van Dyke show. You would see in the corner of the title credits like a little a little drawing of the cigarette pack if it was a cigarette company mm-hmm. that sponsored yeah. that show and those of course have all been removed as well yeah but um so this was another way that 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 um that advertisers wanted to promote their products they wanted to use animation and like i said in the 50s the walt disney studios was heavily in debt they needed money walt wanted to build a park um the other studio heads were already angry at Walt for making 
television programming, uh, which, of course, was how Walt was financing Disneyland. And they felt making commercials was like the lowest thing you could possibly do. But Walt saw it as an opportunity, you know, to, to, to help his studio and, and his dreams. So George Hanel and um, Phyllis uh, um, Bounds, uh, Phyllis Bounds, yes, she is related to Lillian Bounds, the wife of Walt Disney. Huh. They st- and, and George um, Hanel was, he was the photographer to the stars. And I think on the Disneyland show, I might have done a segment on him because there was a whole talk on him. Um, on, on and because he also worked for he 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 photographed Walt he worked for um he he photographed some of the Disney um you know sort of celebrities as well and Walt used him in in a few things but of course he had the Disney connection too through marriage so they opened up a TV commercial unit on the Disney lot in the H wing of the animation building so they they were right there with the model unit the animators thing, and things like that so um so Sharon Disney worked for them Walt's daughter and she, and you know and it wasn't that she got um she did not get preferential treatment. She had to apply for the position. Walt asked, you know, are you giving her any um, – he made sure she was not getting any preferential treatment. They said she is the first to show up and she is the last to leave. And um, so she was very responsible, he thought. Well, George left because he had his whole photography, you know, career to do. So, But Phyllis – and Sharon were still there. So they were bringing in, this unit was bringing in a lot of income by making commercials. Well, Tom Oreb, who is a Disney animator, he'd worked with Ivan Earl on, on creating Sleeping Beauty, um, one of many. Um, he had worked in a previous job working with limited animation. And this was the kind of animation they had to do for the television commercials because they had to keep costs down. So he was assigned to this um to this task. And um, so when it, so let's run through some of the characters here and some of the products. Ipana toothpaste. They were the most popular toothpaste of the time. The only reason we know this character is because we've all seen the film Grease. Remember Bucky the Beaver? <laughs> brush a brush a brush. Uh, oh, remember yeah. that scene yep. in, the, in the sleepover scene? Of course, yeah. And, yeah. Well, that's how we all know Bucky Beaver. Bucky Beaver was a Disney-created character. Jimmy Dodd from the Mickey Mouse wow. Club, he narrated those commercials, and his sped-up voice was Bucky Beaver's voice. So the next time you watch Grease Kids, listen for Jimmy Dodd, and you're going to recognize his voice. And he also wrote the jingle, brush a brush a brush a Russia with a pan. Jimmy Dodd wrote that. So, um, anyway, and uh, Jeff showed a lot of these commercials. And if you go to the website tvdays.com and click on animation, you're going to see that there's a whole write up about the Disney commercials. And there are tons, well, quite a lot of examples of them. You can click on them and watch them, they're really fun. Um, 7-Up, Disney designed their mascot for 7-Up. And it was a, you're going to love this, Craig. It was a combination of two of the birds from the Three Caballeros. Oh, wow. 
this bird, and, and in fact, you'll, even when you hear the voice, you're going to think it's a three caballero bird. But um, when the bird started to get uh, fan mail, 7up said, we got to give this bird a name. And so he became known as Fresh Up Freddy. And, and um, Fresh Up Freddy was really into party planning. So in the commercials that uh, that Jeff showed, it was Fresh Up Freddy showing how, how hey, hey, teenagers, this is how you can make your parties really swell, is by serving 7-Up, um, you know, and all that. And, yeah. um, and, and I, there were recipes for 7-Up Punch and, you know, all kinds of yeah. stuff. I don't even think I knew that. Seven uh, Up had a bird logo. I I only I mean from when I was growing up, it was the bottle caps that you would see, especially yeah. like at Christmas time, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was um, it was in the television commercials that you saw Fresh mm-hmm. Up Freddy. So yeah, then there was Mohawk Tommy, um, Chatter, and Minnie, and they were for tomahawk carpets. And Harry Titles said that the uh, who is an animator said that the money that this unit brought in was tremendous but walt and roy weren't comfortable with it because well of course for walt you know they didn't own the characters um they were at the whim of the advertisers to get approval and there were no residuals um the the disney didn't get any residuals there was no residual even use for these characters uh another one now the other thing too is is that then Disney started to loan out some of their own characters. So, for instance, the Cheerios kid, who was a Disney-created character, he would eat Cheerios and save the day, you know, like Popeye eats spinach, Cheerios kid eats Cheerios. Well, once he saved Donald Duck from a shark after eating a Cheerios breakfast. Donald and the nephews were at the beach. Well, that's Donald natural. Gets, yeah, so of course, yeah. And um, of course, in the Disneyland show that Walt was hosting, they used animation for commercials on their own show. You know, Tinkerbell, not only was she, did she introduce the show and end the show, she was a spokesperson for Derby Foods on the show, and they were a sponsor of the show, and they were the maker of Peter Pan peanut butter. And um, there are a lot of commercials on TVDays.com for Peter Pan peanut butter that Disney created. Um, Walt wasn't tremendously fond of the film Alice in Wonderland, so he had no problem lent- loaning out these characters for the film for advertising. In so he he so he and, and he also loaned out the voice actors. So Catherine Beaumont and Sterling Holiday like did commercials for Jello as Alice in Wonderland and the Mad Hatter okay. and all that. Yeah. Sterling Holloway also narrated a lot of the Peter Pan peanut butter commercials with Tinkerbell in wow. them. Now, because they had to use limited animation, Tom Oreb streamlined the characters for the limited animation, animation almost a lot like the modern Mickey and Minnie um, ones are for the Disney Channel and that we're going to see in the Runaway um, Train for that attraction that you can see these were maybe the forebearers of that especially when mickey minnie and pluto got loaned out um for it uh it wouldn't surprise me if they went and looked at that early animation when they were designing those characters so if you go online to tvdays.com let me know if you think that there's a strong resemblance so he streamlined them so 
American Motors, they did a lot of commercials for American Motors. Like Alice and the White Rabbit um, advertised the American Motors Hudson Hornet and the Rambler Wasp. Um, they simplified the Peter Pan characters for Peter Pan peanut butter commercials. Um, you know, Tink rescues Captain Hook from the crocodile by luring him away with Peter Pan peanut butter sandwich. You know, <laughs> so um, even the Pinocchio characters were simplified for the Hudson Hornet and Wasp commercials. And Cliff Edwards, you know, Jiminy Cricket narrated it and June Foray um, did the voices. So um, and then uh, there were some lesser known Disney characters that were adapted for limited animation for television. Um, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear for American um, motor cars. Uh, they were really at this era. This is like, you know, 1955, 56. They're really pushing air conditioning and heating systems at the time. Um, so they so. We they showed a, they showed these Song of the South characters um, advertising the 1955 Nash Rambler and their um, heating and cooling systems. But you know, That's... Jeff said, "Yeah, is that funny?" But um, yeah, because basically they chase instead of chasing um, Bear Rabbit into the Briar Patch, they chase him into a Nash Rambler, and he never comes out because because he's oh, so dear. comfortable with the air conditioning <laughs> and the heating throughout the year. So, I get it. I'd yeah. be right there with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, they're all beautifully designed, though. All these commercials, they have good stories. They were very good advertising pieces. Um, yeah, Donald Duck and his nephews were refined for the Hudson Hornet and Wasp Autos. And these, they're, they're really pushing the deep coil springs and the V8 engines, you know, that gives it stability and power. Yeah, I'm on and, the website right now, and this is just fascinating. Isn't it? Uh, isn't it cool? can't believe that I haven't known this existed for all yeah. this time. Well, it's, when you watch those commercials and you have a chance, oh, you're yeah. really going to like yeah. them. As soon as we're done recording, I can tell you what I'm <laughs> going to do for the rest of my night. <laughs> yeah. Um, inevitably, Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse, and Pluto became modern for the TV unit by Tom Orb, and, and you'll see them if you scroll down a bit, Craig. And, um, and, and let me know if you think there's a resemblance between those characters that that um, advertised the 1955 Nash Rambler mm-hmm. ambassador and statesman um, to the to the current characters okay. versions yeah. that we have because I do think there's a strong resemblance and and I don't know who those two little mouse children belong to in the back seat of the car <laughs> Mickey and Minnie were driving but they like their Rambler they like their Nash <laughs> that's all that and matters. It, yeah, yeah. Um, now, Victor Habush, there's a, this urban legend that Victor Habush claimed that a little boy wrote Walt a letter saying that, um, and he wrote Walt uh, after he saw Mickey Mouse in the Nash commercials, that, that this was communistic and he thought Walt was better than this. And supposedly, after reading that letter, Walt stormed down to the animation wing and put a stop to, to this. And But Jeff said that the timeline doesn't really work out because these this was the 1955 Nash and the commercials continued till 1956. He thinks, Jeff's theory is that the reason this ended was because the Disneyland television show was bringing in revenue and Walt and Roy no longer needed the income. 
from the commercials. So they just simply ended it. But that it um, leaves us with, you know, a really, really great legacy of of these uh, interesting, you know, sort uh-huh. of, you know, commercials, you know, and Disney artwork, you know. So um, now Jeff is doing a presentation at the D23 Expo, The Art of Disney Costuming, which is what the archives exhibit is about. And the book is also will serve as the catalog for the exhibit, but you'll be able to buy the book. Um, it, it's going to be pre-released at the uh, at the D23 Expo, in, and then it's going to go in the full release, you know, to the general public in September, I believe. So, um, so I, I know that'll be a good book. He's doing a panel with um, Becky Klein and the archive staff, and they're going to be assigning advanced copies of the book. And the um, his book on the monorail is coming out in the fall, and he's been working on that for two or three years. So, um, so. So anyway, so he was uh, very excited about that. So at the end of this presentation, uh, the prizes are given out for that room decorating contest I was talking about. So um, there, there, there was uh, some of the other things. You know, there was a Pirate of the Caribbean themed room. There was a Toy Story themed room. Third place, there was an Epcot Flower and Garden themed room and it was themed to Minnie's garden. These folks are from California so basically when they got to Washington they went to the local nurseries and bought all these plants and flowers and along with you know some of the stuff that they did bring you know like Minnie and all that and they basically set up the flower and garden show in wow. in their room. Yeah. This was this was amazing. And this was third place <laughs> to give you an idea the level of um decorating and talent and design that went into all this. The second place, it was interesting. They had, um, the theme was storyboards. And somebody had, these people, this family had storyboarded the history of the Pacific Northwest mouse meets. And, um, all, all over, all over their room, as if, as if a movie was being made about it. And, and and maybe that's what they're going to do. I don't know. But uh, anyway, and they were giving out um, artist palette cookies, you know, that had that had the Disney characters on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, it, it was. A, and then the uh, the first place room you would have liked, Craig. It was a Star Wars themed room. They actually mm. had the, on that frosted window I told you about. They had the Star Wars scroll going. Uh, that, and, that's cool. And, that's cool. And all that, and and all kinds of stuff. Costumes. They were giving out Star Wars themed food and beverages. Uh, so uh, it was really just going all in on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. Music, sound effects. All of these places had music and sound effects. Lights. I mean, it was incredible. That's how you got to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and and that was just one-third of the day. <laughs> so, because we still have Ron Clements to talk about, we still have Joe Rody to talk about, and then we have Joe Rody's even separate presentation to talk about on Sunday. So, we're going to leave off here 
for this episode, and we'll pick up next time uh, talking about, um, first of all, another great video, which has to do with Galaxy's Edge, so you'll like that. Oh, okay. That that then led into um, Ron Clement's talk. That was about, really, uh, about his career. So you have me intrigued. So, yeah. So so be sure you you tune in next time if you want to hear. Uh, uh, well, you know what Ron had to say, and you know he probably he probably is responsible for at least one of your favorite Disney films. At least one, <laughs> maybe two, and no more yeah. than three for sure. No yeah. more. All right. Well. It's now time for This Week in Disney History. We are going to continue on because, you know, we'll be talking about Joe Rody, who, of course, created Animal Kingdom. So we have to continue our our theme that I've been that I, I sort of started unintentionally and then decided to make it intentional is our, you know, it's, it's, our, it's the summer of Disney theme parks. So we are going to get started with um, the week of August fourth. So are you are you wearing your favorite Disney theme park shirt and mouse ears, Craig? For this, uh, I'm wearing a Disney Cruise Line shirt. So yeah. I'll give you that much. Uh, and the mouse ears, well, it'd be hard to wear my headphones with those too. So oh, I need true. a pass on that. But uh, I've well, got my shirt. You should have been wearing your Disneyland shirt because it is heavily Disneyland this Fantastic. week. Fantastic. <laughs> I hope you made sure that it's all Disneyland from 1955 through 1957 because you we n- know how I thrive at that. You will not be disappointed then. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> A lot happened in the early days of the park in the, in this during the summer. Okay, August 4th. A groundbreaking ceremony was held on August 4th, 1995 for which Disney theme park? Uh, 1995, uh, maybe Animal Kingdom? You're absolutely right. Disney's Animal Kingdom, the largest of all the Disney theme parks, and it will open in April 1998. Okay. So August 5th, what Disneyland attraction opened on August 5th, 1967? It replaced the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea exhibit. Thank you for the extra hint at the end. Otherwise, I, I would have really been struggling on that one. Um, it's Adventure Through Inner Space. Good. That's right. Exactly. In Tomorrowland. Yeah. And in, in this one, guests are transported through a microscope where they are shrunk down and sent off to explore the inside of an atom. This featured the voice of Paul Fries and the song Miracles from Molecules, written by the Sherman Brothers. And this is the first attraction to use the Omnimover system. And they were called Atomobiles um, wow. that guests rode in on their journey. Yeah, had you not given me the uh, the extra twenty thousand leagues one, I would have been really in trouble there. So thank you. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, I I don't remember if we've even talked about it on this, but there's a couple uh, places out there, really awesome sites and and such that have kind of overlaid uh, the old ride track for Adventures Through Inner Space based on uh, the queue for Star Wars Star Tours. And such, and like that blew my mind when I saw how they transformed that space. Like, 
it's it, they didn't really change that much inside when you from a a, a building standpoint when they oh no they converted it from the two like i just assumed that like with the way the weird q moves in star tours that that was like that was a hundred percent on purpose that they wanted it that way i didn't realize that it's because that was the pre-existing structures that were in there and they had to just work around that so uh it's it's wild i i wish i could have saw that attraction but i guess it's anytime you go in star tours at disneyland you still get to walk Mm -hmm. in its footsteps in a way and you know the part when when the park is crowded and they open that other room where you were the queue snakes through Mm -hmm. you know um that was the exit for the mighty microscopes and just rumor wild. has it behind that wall that it's still there <laughs> oh, <laughs> where, wow. you, where you disembarked is still there so. oh that would be so cool mm-hmm. i mean i know it's not that like it's one of the uh, well i mean he's not there anymore but that was like one of the big things that at epcot when i worked there is that we would go in and we would we would look at Buzzy in Cranium Command, and mm-hmm. and the people who worked at like Soren and stuff would go into the the theater and check out all of the the animatronics and stuff that were still in place from uh, from uh, Food Rocks. And so Disney does have a habit of leaving stuff behind walls. Yeah, yeah. Okay, August sixth, a relic from the Disneyland Resort arrived at the Western Pacific Railroad in Portola, California. And this was in, oh my gosh, I didn't write down the year. But this would have been in, would have been in about 2000 and, I'm guessing, oh gosh. It would it would have been, oh, 2010, let's say, roughly. So... Oh, well, and what, what was delivered to the museum and from which park? I don't know. So mm-hmm. even if you gave me a date on this, I still wouldn't know. So okay. I'll just sit back and let you okay. right. teach me. Right, A train and related artifacts that were once part of the Sunshine Plaza area of Disney's California Adventure. The resort donated the cab of the California Zephyr train that had been used as a location for Burbank Ice Cream and Baker's Field Bakery. And it will become part of the museum's Zephyr Project collection. So, anyway. I got nothing on that. Yeah, so... Anyway, so that was that. <laughs> okay. Um, August 7th. What Disneyland attraction held cast member previews on August 7th and again on August 8th, 1969? Okay. Well, it's first off, it's kind of bonkers to think about like cast member previews all the way back then. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and assume uh, if you listen to the Disneyland show a couple times in the past weeks you've heard us uh i guess it's been a little bit longer than that you've been hearing us argue about uh the haunted mansion and Mm -hmm. the fact that i was there last year on the 49th anniversary and when the 50th anniversary is not like it would change actual days but just pure confusion but i'm gonna assume haunted mansion since i know that opened up (laughs) you're right yep it opened the cast members from 7 p.m to midnight on August 7th, and then again on August Spooky. 8th. Yeah. And, it, of course, this is located in New Orleans Square, and it is built to resemble a southern mansion before the Civil War. Mm. Okay. 
Okay, August 8th. On August 8th, 1953, Walt Disney reviewed the site map that Imagineer and art director Marvin Davis had been working on for Walt's new California theme park. Walt picked up a pencil and drew a triangle around a plot of land. What did this triangle indicate? This is going to be a total guess, but and it makes no sense. But I'm going to say that uh, considering the importance of trains around the perimeter, if there was uh, anything around it, I would assume it had to deal with the trains. Absolutely. He drew the triangle to indicate where he wanted his railroad to run. And for the next two years, Marv Davis, not to be confused with Mark Davis, will work on more than 100 different versions of the master plan for Disneyland. It's very rare that a complete random guess uh, actually works for me, but Mm -hmm. did one time. (laughs) It did. It was a good guess. Okay, August 9th. Disneyland's Haunted Mansion opened to the public on August 9, 1969. The public opening of the attraction was heralded by a promotional blitz that included a special ice cream sundae sold at the Carnation Plaza on Main Street, USA. What was the name of the sundae? I have no idea. Oh, you'll kick yourself when you will not tell you. It was the I Scream Sunday, uh, a dad joke for the ages. Uh huh. That's right. I and an S C R E A M. Sunday. <laughs> well, I hope they had a long career at Disney for coming up with that name. So they, the Carnation Plaza used to have Sundays named after a lot of the e-ticket attractions, and I wish they would bring that back. Because it was fun. It was just so much fun. And sometimes they would have, you know, sometimes the flavors might be somehow associated with it, but not really. It was just the name. In this day and age, you would be like right under Bob Chapek if you can come up with a clever name to go with an ice cream dish. Like, that's that's all it takes anymore. So. I think we could probably do it for every attraction. So. Oh, oh, plus some. And if you can also find a way to add in a, a Pixar character to it, too, then mm-hmm. then you might as well just... You're, you're next in line for Bob Iger's job. So. Oh, yes, no doubt. Um, although they're probably working on his audio animatronic that will replace him there. Oh, so, e- okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to stop with that anyways. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay, August 10th. Which wing opened at Disney's Art of Animation Resort at Walt Disney World on August 10th, 2012? Wow. Okay, so a Walt Disney World question that Mm -hmm. I... Is contemporary. Actually, yeah, it's contemporary. And this was a year before I started working with the Diz. Uh, Actually, really, this would have been... um, this would have been weeks before I started working with the Diz. I started with the Diz the last week of August in 2012, uh, just as freelance. But I was kind of out of out of the loop in terms of Disney news at this time. Um, I thought that all of Art of Animation opened up together at the same yeah, time. So it opened I, in phases. I I don't know. I I 
Yeah, this this is news to me, hearing it for the very first time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The Lion King Wing. It was themed okay. to the 1994 animated film. The Wing offers family suites and completes the third phase of Walt Disney World's newest hotel. It features landscapes and theming inspired by scenes from the Academy Award-winning movie, the resort places guests into the African terrain, surrounded by vibrant trees and whimsical scenery. So you did what pretty was, well. Mm-hmm. So you said third phase. Was there, was that it at that point? No, there's one more phase, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because it'll probably come up. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I will do my research and I will get it next time to uh, to, to redeem myself. Okay, sounds good. All right. Well, Craig, one of the other fun things about the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet is we have so many listeners from up there. I can't tell you. Um, I, 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 I never got to some place I was going directly without being stopped by listeners. It was wonderful. Um, I, I don't think the Diz has ever been up there before. And people were so excited. And they, they, every, of course, it was, is Craig here? Is Craig coming? And, um, I wish, but, yeah. But we, I, I, I lost track, I lost count of how many people listened to the show up there who were at this event. It's uh, always very humbling. Uh, it's, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you hear stories about how, you know, about what, you know, what, what, this, our stories mean to them, or how we we've we've been a bright spot in, in a part of their lives that maybe were difficult, or you know we got them through a hard part of school, or whatever it might be, or it's just that they enjoy listening because they enjoy they like history, yeah. and, you know Disney history, and and it, it works both ways. I mean, it's it's uh-huh. not just that uh, everyone out there who's listening and such. It, it's not that you know. It's not just that we get you through hard times and stuff. It's you also get us through those moments. There are, oh, absolutely. There are days that we sit down to record this where we talk about how bad of a day that we're having or a week. And, you know, it's sitting here and doing this. It usually almost all the time that we go into this in a not so great mood, it ends up changing everything and turning it all around. So mm-hmm. it's. It, you know, it, it works both way. It's not, it's not all of us just doing it for you. It's really, it's really we have fun talking and then hearing the feedback and knowing how much everyone out there in, enjoys what we're doing so much. That just, it, it makes it all, all so worth it. And just cannot say that enough. It means um, so much. Absolutely, and it, it's so nice to meet all of you because then when we're doing this. Because, you know, we're staring at monitors and, you know, volume levels and notes and all that. But, you know, I picture the people I've met, you know, also at the other end 
who are listening to this and and that that's yep. very nice and and it was people of all um ages it was folks like my age folks your age families single people couples youngsters and we have we have quite a few young listeners which made me very happy because i know when in talking to them you know they they want to carry on Walt's legacy you know as they grow up and um that's nice it's and i'm i'm so glad we're a part of that so thank you. So that that was one of the most enjoyable parts of the mouse meet for me was was meeting, you know, mm-hmm. meet meeting all of you, you know, those of you out there who were able to attend. So and hopefully more of you will be able to attend next year after you listen to all these episodes, you'll decide, um, hey, you know, I'm going to go to that next year, which is it's on July 11th, uh, I is I think what they announced in 2020 so anyway so craig until next time how can our listeners connect with you as always you can find me on the random assortment of the shows on the Dis unplugged podcast net sorry podcast <laughs> network and then as always you can find me on facebook twitter and instagram at telecluster what about you michael well, you can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. On Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. The, check out the page at the Connecting with Walt banner. Um, Michael Bowling um, on Instagram, I'm Michael Bowling the Diz. You can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at Connecting Walt. And I'm already working on my next Disneyland history segment for our Diz Unplugged podcast, Disneyland Show. So, uh, so you can start looking for that at some point so and if you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney his studios his Imagineers and Disneyland check out our Disneyland podcast archives for our Disney history episodes either by clicking on the link in our show notes or at disneyunplugged.com and look for past episodes of Connecting as Walt on iTunes where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. (laughs) 